This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning, everybody. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I'm only up for a few minutes today. But I wanted to be the one to welcome you to church, because I'm just so excited that you're here. I was, I was driving over here this morning early with our seven-year-old daughter, and we came to, around the church building, and I just started honking my horn really, really loudly. And she said, Daddy, why are you honking? I said, I'm just so excited to be at church. I love New Life, and I love being here with you guys. I could not pick a better community. So whether it's your first time here or your hundredth time here, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad you came to be with us today. And I want to welcome back our junior and senior high students from camp. Yeah, so glad to have you guys back. Boy, I got to see some pictures on Facebook. It looked amazing. I can't wait to hear stories, but I want you guys to know if you're here and you went to camp, we were praying for you all week this week because we love you guys. We're so glad that you're back. Uh, hey, I want to highlight a few things before I welcome uh, our speaker to stage. Uh, I want you to go ahead and grab your program and inside your program to pick up two things that will help you this morning. The first is your card that says start here, and it's just a connection card. It helps us stay connected to you. Most importantly, it helps you connect to us so that we can resource you, we can pray for you, we can support you in any way that our pastoral team and leadership can. So go ahead and get that filled out, and then you don't have to do anything with this until the end of the service. But if I've earned your trust over the course of the next 35 minutes or so, we'll just ask you when some baskets are passed, go ahead and drop this in the basket. It's just a way for us to stay connected. Uh, and then the second thing you're going to want are your teaching notes. Uh, they just got a ton of really helpful material that we're going to be going over today that I know you're going to want to have. Uh, I want to welcome up in just a second our family ministries pastor for the first time to this stage to be teaching us. And I'm so excited to welcome up Susan because Susan, here's what I would tell you about Susan. Susan genuinely loves God. I mean, genuinely loves God. She genuinely loves people. Susan values authenticity, which you're going to see over and over again this morning. And Susan believes in parents. She believes that, um, that she can empower you, that God actually has empowered you to do a great thing as we raise our families. She believes in you. She believes in family and all that could be. And she is equipping with our volunteers the next generation of people to really seek God and love him and serve him. And so I'm so excited for her to share with us today. Would you join me in welcoming up our family ministries pastor, Susan Bales? Would you join me? Okay, there we go. And I, that big, loud voice scares me when I hear it on the other side. I had told the first service that I really had prayed for the rapture and that y'all wouldn't be here today. But here you are. And actually, now that I'm a professional speaker from the stage, because this is my second time, uh, I won't need to lower your expectations. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This is really fun. Um, I, I, I just got to get a couple things clear. Uh, I am a, I, I am the pastor here and it kind of dazzles me, uh, because I, I marvel that God would have chosen someone as, with as many, uh, dents in their fender from having gone off road, if you know what I mean. And, uh, yet I'm here and the good news is that he doesn't, um, he, he doesn't hold that against me, and he doesn't hold it against you. So we are going to take a little journey today as uh, we examine a proverb that 
if misunderstood, can leave us as parents feeling guilty and ashamed, embarrassed, or angry at God. And I know none of us wants that as our end game. So my background is in education. I was a teacher for 38 years. Uh, K-6, I worked as a principal, program administrator, special education and reading teacher. Um, and I worked with thousands of kids and thousands of families. And the thing that I know is true about us as parents is that we want the same thing, no matter what the demographic we're in, well, no matter what race, religion, what your economic standing is. Every single parent in every setting that I've worked with them has said, I want one thing. I want what's best for my kids, and I want them to thrive. So I think because we have that universal agreement, we can see why when we examine this proverb today, it would be really, really tempting for us to hold on to that and look at it as some kind of a guarantee. So this morning, we're going to be talking about Proverb 22.6. I know we have it. There it is. It's here this time. Last time. Yeah, maybe not. All right. So if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, if you're an aunt and uncle, godmother, godfather, and we have this desire for the best for our children, then we want them as Christian parents beyond, you know, moving out at 18, going to college and getting a job so they're not under our roof. We want them to grow up to know and love the Lord and have a vibrant faith, a vibrant faith. So when Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not turn from it, we can easily make that a promise. So it's if, condition, you train up, then we'll look at that guarantee. Man, that would be sweet. I would love that as a guarantee. But (laughs) I'm a mother of three children. I'm your pastor, and out of my three children, I have one that walks with the Lord. One. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Maybe you, the person sitting next to you, a sibling, your neighbor, has got something similar happening. We have done our best to raise our kids to know and love the Lord. But somewhere along the line, they don't. Didn't work out. All of that hope that I carried in my arms home from the hospital. Mm -mm. So we're going to look at this a little bit. We're going to try to get free. We're going to try to look at some truth around it. Because otherwise, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do as a parent. To walk around in shame and guilt and embarrassment? How do I reconcile this to my lack of success as a Christian parent? It's a big, big question for us. And you know, my palms are so sweaty and so are my feet. So you're going to excuse me just a minute. I swore this would not happen. I had to take my shoes off the first service too because I was going to fall down. So I, I, I thought I wouldn't be so sweaty the second time. Y'all scare me. Okay. Woo. We're back. All right. All right. (laughs) 
All right, glad you can't smell. All right. So, children are a gift from God. We all agree with that? Yeah? All right. Parenting is not an easy task. And everyone said, don't say amen, say duh. All right? (laughs) Duh. That's your answer. All right. Absolutely true. So, because it's such a tough job, because we have this mind-boggling, messy business to be taking care of as a parent, when God chooses us as broken, imperfect, knuckle-headed people to raise these tiny things into adulthood and equip them with what they need to know and love the Lord and to walk out a life that's filled with the ability to love God and others well. You know, that's, that's a crazy idea. I don't know what he was thinking. They do not come as a blank slate. You know that, don't you? I know, he's shaking his head. I had to point at him. (laughs) There's no, let's inscribe this personality. They're hardwired. You might have noted that. All three of mine are uniquely different. So I was motivated as a young mom um, because I didn't conceive easily. It took three years, and I thought maybe I wasn't going to get to have kids. So I brokered with God a lot over the three years. If... Then, I'll, you'll. So there was kind of some negotiating going on. And part of that negotiation was the promise that, wow, if I get to have a baby, if I get to be a mom, then I'm going to make sure that I embrace this proverb. I will train that child up. And there was no option for failure there. None whatsoever. But there's a lot of danger in that. And I experienced that firsthand. The first danger is that as a parent, when you make that promise and you misunderstand this proverb, you can self-inflict a lot of damaging messages of shame and guilt, failure, embarrassment. None of that sounds like God, does it? Hmm. And I would tell myself, I didn't work hard enough. And then sometimes out there, there are some of my church people who told me I didn't work hard enough. Not in so many words, but you know how we can guilt people? We do. And what happens is, when that, ha- when that is the result, that's what we're experiencing Parent, child, family, community, we all go into the loser column. Not enough. Not enough. A lot of parents get caught there. They get stuck. Got less than Christian children. Hmm. Here's what prompted the training that was kind of off the rails because I didn't get this. See, I grew up in a Christian home, but Christianity was defined largely by what we didn't do instead of what we did do. That might be familiar to some of you. And so I didn't have people modeling, it looks like this, it's, it shouldn't look like that. And so as a teen in particular, when that message came through, it was really, really clear. And this was straight out of my my parents' mouth. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't swear, don't you. 
had a problem back then. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and here was the final. And don't go out with boys who do. All right? Sound advice. Yes. But it was all about the rules. And somehow... That translated to me. I thought, if I can control my kids' behavior, then somehow that's going to create a spiritual life for them. They're going to have a vibrant relationship with God, make sure I I take them to church. I have my requisite picture Bible, and we are saying nighttime prayers. And I am training that behavior. Deal was, it worked until it didn't. Anybody resonate with that? They're somehow growing on up. And the problem is that I was focusing so much on externals, external behavior. I wanted conformity, compliance. And who doesn't want well-behaved children, right? Hello. I know you do. But what it did was, it was behavioral report carding. I was looking at myself, holding up the yardstick. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? How are they doing? How are they doing? How are they doing? And sometimes we looked really good. And if we did, based on that, there was room to have some pride. That wasn't good. But when we didn't, we turned out to be more often than I would have preferred. We were shamed. And we were not enough. And unknowingly, I set my kids and myself into a cycle that had us constantly feeling like we were missing the mark. We were disappointments. We were inadequate, unworthy. The very same things you heard Heather talk about this morning. Performancism, which is the fear of not living up to a certain standard of behavior because of what other people will think is something that dominated my life for years. And it was ugly. It was really ugly. Unworthiness and more unworthiness. There was a time when I thought I could not be a Christian because of what was happening with my kids. It was twisted, and it wasn't God. So I missed emotional freedom, And I missed redemptive grace. That's not how God intends us to parent. The second translation that happens is just the opposite end of the spectrum. If we're all guilty and shamed over here, the other one is we are naively optimistic. And we are thinking to ourselves, no matter what kind of a train wreck my child is, no matter what kinds of decisions they're making, no matter the fact that they have rejected God, our values, and everything else time and time again, they are guaranteed Salvation, because I trained them in the way they should go. I would have to press the buzzer on that one and say no, because I'm a living example of that. They don't always go the way they should go. So let's take a look at that proverb and see what it really says. First of all, a proverb comes out of the Bible in a collection of books called Wisdom Literature. And it was written specifically to communicate general truths, not 
promises. They're these witty, pithy little sayings. They're in short phrases. They were meant to be nuggets that were memorable, that you could hold on to, and that you could pass on generation to generation, that they would kind of give some moral foundation, but not promises. So an example that's non-biblical that we all know is an apple a day keeps the doctor away. We've all got that one, right? None of you have canceled your medical insurance, right? Okay, same deal here. Same deal with this proverb. It has a general truth. So let's look at that. It's pretty simple. It says, parents who follow biblical principles in bringing up their children will see a positive effect in their children and their character. And training up a child in right thinking and right living will produce people with a, get this, higher probability of faith. That doesn't seem quite like a promise to me. No ironclad guarantees in there. That is not airtight, and that makes me really nervous. So we need, we need some way to hedge our bets. Agreed? Yeah, because this is a slippery slope here. This parenting thing is not for sissies. So we've got to look and see what can we do? What's God doing with this? How does God parent us? So let's examine it. If I can't believe, if I can't guarantee they're going to become believers, there are three things I want to suggest to you that we do today, okay? Number one, we should live authentically in front of our kids. Authentically. Whew. Now you're going to see some stuff that's not so pretty. All right? Yeah, it's true. I can put my smile on a stick, and I can have all the Jesus answers, but... The truth is that our kids are craving authenticity from us. They want the real deal. And they all are born with a crap meter and they know when you're doing the BS. So stop it. So we want to change our parenting to a God style. God is relational with us. He's authentic. It's happening in real time. He's not looking at me and keeping score. He's looking at me with love. He's looking at me from a spiritual perspective that has all of eternity in mind, which takes some of the pressure off us, off of us day to day to get it right. Because that trap of right, whew, that can get in the way of a lot of things. You can do a l- nothing wrong on one day with your kid and still do nothing right. Hmm. There's a thought. So what does that relationship and authenticity look like? Well, Dallas Willis is a theologian and an author, and he says it changes our point of view from one of sin management. I don't know about you, but I don't manage sin so well. And managing somebody else's sin, you know, I'm not good at that either. So it takes that outward behavior focus that compliance and conformity look, and it changes to a relational focus on the heart, the inner transformation that God is working in us and through us relationally. And that's the parenting style we are to have with our children. It takes external conformity based on rules and legalism, and it turns it into behavior that comes from a heart relationship with Jesus with you as a parent. 
where you first model that for your kids. So passing on faith becomes something that we do by example as role models of who we are. Who we are first. Who we are in Christ. Forgiven, redeemed, beloved, treasured. And that's the message we want to pass to those kiddos of ours. Because that modeling of that relationship is where the power is. And then that power that transforms here is what we do. It's what they see, and that's authentic. So our kids get front row, and I'm so glad nobody sat there because that's right in my face. So thank you for that. So um, just keep moving it back. Uh, They see us. They see us in real time, processing, acting, living in our faith. We get to talk about our struggles. We get to talk about what we're talking to God about and what we're hearing, how that's informing what we're doing, how our lives are being shaped around that. It makes our faith relevant, and it proves to our kids that it can withstand real life. It's not over here for Sunday. It's not here when I need to give you the Jesus answers. It is working for us 24-7. They've got to see that. They've got to see that in us. The second thing after authenticity is we've got to get to know how our kids are wired because they are unique creations. Absolutely. Anyone who has had more than one child knows this. Uh, Parenting child number one cannot be done to child number two. And number three, I don't know. We don't even make a scrapbook on them. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So here's the thing. The scripture says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I used to focus on that wonderfully part until they grew up a little bit. And then I realized they were fearfully made. And there were things that I just did not understand or get about them. And um, that uniqueness with my three kids, uh, has, has kept me running for my life. I have a 34-year-old, a 31-year-old, and a 22-year-old, and yes, you can give birth at 40. Um, and it is something else. It's something else. Three of them, all three of them, that's 100%, uh, have anxiety, struggle with anxiety. Two of them are ADD. And... Two of them have borderline mood disorders. I passed on some quality DNA. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Getting to know these kids. Oh, my gosh. It is such a huge job. I needed to connect with each of their hearts. I needed to connect with each of their spirits. I needed to find out who they were uniquely. And that's a time and intentional activity. And you cannot do that as a drive-by parent. It is an investment you make. I had to find out what made them tick. Time one-on-one. I had to listen, not just to what they said, but what they didn't say big deal. And I had to find ways to share their passion. With my son, he was five when Pokemon first came out, and that is not the electronic device you all are searching for here. I had Pokemon in my office. That was very exciting. Um, But no, I learned that game by playing the cards 
And here's an example of exemplary parenting. I memorized 100 Pokemon and their transformations. Yeah! And it's still paying big dividends, I've got to tell you. I also had to get up early, read the newspaper, so I could look at all the baseball box scores, which meant I had to hit the porch before he got up because he was an early riser. He would read every morning. The sports page first, of course. And I had to know what was happening there before he did. We were bonding, and that was a very big thing. My middle child, who's the believer, was into music and art and writing. So spending time with her was a completely different dynamic. And my eldest child, my, my, the one I brokered for God for, uh, and is an amazing, talented, creative human being, she, she was, you know, we had to have goth for a while. We had to have a lot of different hair colors, piercings, tattoos. You know, I mean, it's just, just stuff, just stuff. Every one of them was different. Every one of them responded differently to my training, differently to my discipline. Man, it was no easy task. And I know you felt the same way. And if you say, no, I've, I've never felt that I did knew what, not know what to do or Worried about whether I had done the right thing. I'm just going to say liar, liar, pants on fire to you. All right. So we want authenticity. We want to get to know how they're wired. And the last thing is we got to have them bumping into God. So we've got to create environments where they encounter him. Here's the thing that I want to free you with a little bit is that, first of all, no matter how broad and deep and wide your faith is, you cannot save your children. Not up to you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a personal transaction between your child and God. It's when God says, to your free will, hmm, do you receive my son as your savior? With all of its privileges and responsibilities. And they say yes. Or they say no. So what do I do with that? How do I get these God encounters in there? So again, I'm hedging my bets. I'm raising that probability that my kids are going to come to know and love God. I've got to make opportunities for them to fall in love with Jesus. And the way God has designed that begins in our homes. And Proverbs, or Psalm 78, I think we've got that one. Psalm 78 is the model for faith replication. It tells us, and I'm going to jump down to number four. It says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Your home is the birthplace of faith formation, not the church. We're your partners, but your home is the crucible of faith formation. There's another scripture in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, and it's the one that tells us to get God into us so we can get it into our children. So if you go to verse 6, it says, or verse 5, love God, your God, with your whole heart, love him with all you've got, and write these commandments I've given you, the word of God, on your hearts. Get him inside you. When we've got them inside us, they're transforming us so our kids get to see the dividends. And then it says, get them inside your children. You got them in you. Get them in them. 
do that by talking about me when, or God whenever, wherever you go. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night. Wow, that's just like everyday stuff, right? And then the last one, Romans 12.1, says make our ordinary life an offering to God. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Hmm. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. You know, I love that I've got that kind of format to be a Christian parent. I don't have to have the Bible memorized. I don't have to be a theologian. I don't need a script. This is my everyday thing with my kids. Loving on God, loving on them. That's not bad. Makes it a little easier. It's estimated that we in our homes have about 3,000 hours to influence our kids. Non-school, non-sleeping hours. And church has 100 to 200 hours. Interesting, huh? Because lots of times we think... Let's take our kids to church, and that's where they're going to fill, get filled up with God. But the reality, the Bible says, nope, that's going to happen at home. And we can see just from a purely statistical perspective that 3,000 hours of influence available at home versus 100 or 200 here on a really good year, it's just not going to make the same difference. It's just not. So our home environment possesses these minuscule but mighty moments to influence our kids. Amazing moments, doing ordinary things with extraordinary love. It gives us a chance to model and converse and share and bless our kids and pray with them. And some of the best things I've ever done in parenting were teachable moments that arrived out of nowhere. When we saw something run over on the road, when there was a rainbow, when you know, there was a question that was posed by my kids that gave us an opportunity for dialogue. Nothing was contrived, but it was mindful. And I knew that it was a God moment. Those are powerful things, really powerful. But it takes so much pressure off of me. I, the right thing to do, is not something that is prescriptive, right? changes things. At New Life, we want to partner with you in this difficult task of parenting. And the way we do that is first by speaking about family life and growing ourselves from messages from the stage. We've had our Modern Family series. We talk family all the time. That's one way we do that with you. The second way is that we have these amazing, amazing, dedicated volunteers working in your children's ministries. Oh, my goodness. These people are something else. They are fully invested. In serving your kids. And we've really, really worked hard to help people see that ministry with children has got to be a call on your life. It's you're not there doing a task any more than we as parents are tasked to just train our kids. It's about relation. And what we want to do is relate 
make Jesus relatable to them every single week. So we've got amazing curriculum. Our teachers are well-trained. We give these experiences that they can hopefully walk out and talk with you about at home. And then the third thing we give you is something called the Home Connection, which is a review of what we've done with your kids that week that allows you to go home and on any other day of the week at the table or whether you're in the tub when you're tucking them in, whatever, you can start talking about some of those big God concepts that we're covering back there. And here's the beautiful thing. From three to grade six, we are covering the exact same curriculum in every class. It's the very same God concept. So if you've got a child in preschool and one in the zone and one in Club 56, you can still have that conversation with your family. We know how hard it is to carve out time, and we want to make that something that is useful to you, something that says, yes, I can. I can do this. I've got some tools. We've got big dreams for the future. We are looking forward to amazing offerings for parents, classes, seminars, speakers. Um, Construction will continue. And ultimately, we'd like to be able to offer a map of a pathway families can follow as they walk their children on a spiritual journey. Places where you can see milestones, where you can pull off road and celebrate, and where we can join you in that celebration. We're universally in agreement that kids are a gift from God, incredibly valuable, that they are the message that speaks to the future after we're gone. And all of us moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grams, grandpas, all of us have a vested interest, especially as Christians, in helping to pass on our faith. And not just a so-so faith, but a vibrant faith. We want our kids to know and love God so they can experience the joy, the peace, the fruit of that relationship. But we don't do it by ourselves. It takes a huge extended family, you, it takes this church, your extended family. It takes people with shared values. It takes us encouraging one another, being empathetic and compassion-filled, not judgmental. It takes us loaning our courage and wisdom until somebody else can grow their own. It's something that is priceless that we can offer to each other. And because I know firsthand what it feels like to be a less than parent, and I do not want that for you, there is no need to waste decades feeling that way. No matter where you are right now, as you're holding that yardstick up to yourself, and I'd wager a few of you do that on occasion, whether you label yourself good or bad or whatever comparison tool you're using, I want you to remember what Roman 8 says. 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation. I want you to know that freedom, that freedom, when God looks at you as his child. And I want to just speak a blessing over you this morning that God would say, that I want your heart to hear, that I want you, when you are struggling with your identity as a parent, to speak to yourself. And that is that he says, I see you. I know you. You are my child, and I love you unconditionally. 
I'm not judging or measuring your performance. I delight in you. I am with you and for you. I'll never give up on you or your child. In your weakness, I will make you strong. Live in my grace. You are enough. Blessings to you. Yeah, my feet sweat, so, you know, I might as well take them off, too. And it looks like so much fun. Why not? I do wear, I do wear man socks. It's true. I do wear these man. Um, thank you for pointing that out. Mike. Susan just said something about enoughness, I think. I'm trying to remember, like, even with your socks, you are enough. Here's the thing. You know what I love about our church? I'm just going to say it. I love that we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God very seriously. You know what I mean? Like, that is a dichotomy you don't find in churches. Like, we laugh at ourselves. We have fun together. And yet we know that God is guiding every part of who we are. That's so fun. That's a sermon. I'm not going to preach it right now because we're going to a picnic. But that's a sermon I'll be preaching someday. Uh, But, hey, what I loved about today was we normally have next steps, application points. We intentionally don't have that today. Because there aren't three things to do to guarantee your kids are going to turn out perfectly. It's not do A, B, C, and you will get D. Uh, do X, Y, Z, and you'll get whatever comes next. Uh, a, A, or X. That's not good for your kids. <laughs> Woo! Um, but I tell you what, we talked about principles today because principles, principles are transferable. I loved authenticity. Being who we are in the process, in our marriages, as a single person in front of our kids, so key. Understanding that our kids are unique, so key. And then creating environments. Church has environments. Home devotionals have environments. But there are so many different environments so that we can create space to engage with our kids. Uh, I took my little man, Landon. Uh, One of the things that I'm trying this summer is individual dates with each kid. Because uh, I always grew up and we'd all just do things as a family, which I love. But... Uh, I'm trying individual things. So I said to my five-year-old, hey, let's take a man date. So we had a man date this weekend, and we drove out in my MG out to the coast. And for the first hour, he's just listening to music and cruising along, not really talking. And then about an hour in, I said to him, hey, buddy, you're starting kindergarten in about a month. How are you feeling about that? And he said, dad, I'm a little bit scared. I said, oh, why are you scared, bud? Let's talk about that. He's like, well, I don't know if everybody's going to like me at school. And so we got to talk about that. First off, I personally think everyone's going to like him because he's awesome. He's awesome. And I, but I was able to tell him, you're awesome. You are an awesome young man. And, and you're going to meet new people and you're going to try new things. And everyone might not like you, but it doesn't change the fact that you are awesome. You are a good man. And that moment would not have happened if we were just going about our day and I said to him, hey, how's, how are you feeling about kindergarten? He would have been like, I'm fine. It's good. Should be fun. What are you looking forward to? recess. That's how our conversation would have gone. But because we had an environment, some space, boy, it created a holy moment for us together. And that's what I'm hoping for for each of us as we take these principles that Susan shared with us and begin to kind of flesh them out in our own way, in our own family, in our own lives. And so 
I'm just so thankful for her sharing what she did. I'm thankful for our family ministries and what's going on there. It's going to be a great future for our families together. So that's going to be so fun. Hey, we're going to wrap our time up together, and we're going to pass those baskets that I mentioned a few minutes ago. So get that start here card ready. We would love to pray for you. If our pastoral team and our prayer team can pray for you in any way, please write down a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Uh, if you have an answered prayer, we love celebrating when God answers prayers because we believe that our God does answer prayers. Uh, so go ahead and get that filled out. We're also going to be receiving the tithes and offerings in just a second. So if you came prepared to give, uh, you can use the envelope inside your program. Get your tithes and offerings in there. Or you can text to give or give online. There's some information on the screens for that. While you're getting that ready, if you're a guest with us today and we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you after service. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to run out the side doors, run around the building, and try to catch you before you get out the doors. It's like a fun game that we play every week. The problem is I'm getting older and it is hot outside. So if you could just walk slowly to the door, she will help me make it around in time. And on your way out, go by Guest Central. We have a guest gift for you in those black reusable bags. That's just our way of saying thanks for being here with us today. It is just such a pleasure to share some time with you. Well, let's pray together, and then we'll pass those baskets. God, uh, I'm your son. We are your sons and daughters. And we, many of us, live in parental roles. We're sons and daughters of you, and we're moms and dads of our kids or our aunties and uncles or surrogate parents, surrogate grandparents and grandparents. And on behalf of our community, I would ask God that you would whisper in our ears in these quiet moments as we head home, as we go about our day and our week, that you would whisper the reality that we're loved by you, that we've been chosen and called by you, that we are enough in you. And in the process of that, Lord, would you give us guidance as we take these principles that we're learning and look for ways to really love, serve, support, and lead the children in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.